0: Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith.
1: I think of Abraham who had wealth. I think of Joseph who was the prime minister of Egypt. No, no, it's not a matter of what you have, it's a matter of what has you. And so Jesus was telling this story about this one man controlled by wealth, his riches. James put it this way. In James chapter 5, verse 5, you have spent your years on earth in luxury, satisfying your every whim. Reaching up high, with arms open wide, we see.
0: You're changing our One of the most misquoted scriptures you'll hear by people is, money is the root of all evil. The Bible doesn't say that money is the root of all evil. The Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil. If the Lord has blessed you with money and resources, He desires that you don't use these blessings only on yourself, but that you allow the Lord to bless others through you. The same goes for spiritual gifts God has given you, and the time He has given you. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's edition of Building in Faith.
1: gospel, we find a parable that is different than most, really than any other parable. In fact, there's some controversy of whether it really is a parable. Now, we think it is, but it's the only parable that Jesus gives names to the characters. Luke chapter 16 Verse 19, in this parable, you see two lives in contrast, completely different in this world, in their death, and in the next world. And that's what this parable is, a study of lives in contrast. Verse 19, there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen, and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angel carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried in hell where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, even if someone rises from the dead. What a powerful statement. Let's pray. Father, take your word and may it be light and life. May it speak to our hearts. May it set us on the right path to our journey's end. In Christ's name, amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I don't know if it bothers you like it bothers me, when I'm driving on the highway, maybe it's 84 or 87, maybe it's going into the city, and you have all of these signs that say, danger ahead, be careful, slow down. And you see people just ignore it. I mean, you're trying to pay attention to the signs and somebody zooms by on the left or the right of you and they just completely ignore it. Imagine with me, Not 10 miles, but 260 miles. You're on a long trip. And all along that trip, you're seeing signs. In fact, 234 of them. Danger, caution, be careful. And you get to the end. And you see that people haven't paid attention. There are 260 chapters in the New Testament. Two hundred and thirty-four times in those chapters, we are warned about a judgment to come, about a future day of God's wrath where he'll judge. Yet, so few pay attention. Martin Marty, he studies Christianity, he's, uh, at Chicago and Chicago University, I believe, and he says, it seems like hell has disappeared from the church landscape. In New York City, Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church, they went over the sermons in the pulpit that were preached over five decades, 50 years, not one sermon on hell. One of the editors of Christianity Today, which is one of the most evangelical magazines out there and a great Christian read, the editor looked back over his preaching ministry and he said for three decades he had never preached on hell. Billy Graham was asked, If you would do things differently, what would you do? And one of the things that he mentioned was this. I would preach more about hell. Jesus talked more about hell than heaven. And he tells us this parable that shows us two lives in contrast, going in completely different directions. I want you to see... First of all, the contrast in their domain, their sphere of influence. In verses 19 to 21, it says, Jesus said there was a certain man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen, who lived each day in luxury. At his gate lay a poor man, Lazarus, who was covered with sores. As Lazarus lay there longing for the scraps From the rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open wounds. I mean, what a contrast. One man rich, one man poor. There was this domain that each had. One had power, the other was weak. One had riches and the other one had crutches. I mean, there was such a contrast in each of these men. You could see that contrast in their affluence. It says there was a certain rich man and then there was a poor man. He was dressed, the rich man, in purple. That speaks of royalty and power. It speaks of wealth. This man had it all. Steak and eggs in the morning, designer clothing. I mean, he had everything that you could possibly have. He lived in a house that was gated, he was affluent. But I don't believe the Bible is saying that it's wrong to be rich. Because Job was the Ben Cartwright of his day. Solomon was one of the richest men that ever lived. I think of Abraham, who had wealth. I think of Joseph, who was the prime minister of Egypt. No, no. It's not a matter of what you have. It's a matter of what has you. And so Jesus was telling this story about this one man controlled by wealth, his riches. James put it this way. In James chapter five, verse five, you have spent your years on earth in luxury, satisfying your every whim. Hmm, that's a recipe for judgment. Now, Lazarus, in contrast, I mean, he was a street person. He was living on the street. He had sores, and the dogs in those days weren't uh, just puppies. They were wild animals, and uh, for a dog to have contact with you made you unclean. So you could picture poor Lazarus with these open wounds, and these dogs coming and licking those open wounds, waiting for him to die thinking he was gonna be another meal. It was a sorry state for Lazarus. But God was aware of Lazarus's poverty. He was aware of the rich man's wealth. He, he knows everything about everything. Nothing escapes his notice, whether poverty or wealth, whether sickness or health. He sees it all. He knows the stations we have in life. Now, each man had their own temptation. The rich man, he could forget that he was a steward and he could squander everything on himself and forget about his responsibility to God. Because clearly the Old Testament told of the responsibility that men had and women had to the poor and to the needy. Lazarus had his temptations. He could have become angry and bitter. Felt like, why did this happen to me? Why am I sick? Why don't I have money? Why am I crippled? On and on. He could have lived on the slope of a question mark, becoming bitter and angry with God. So each man, the rich man, could have been tempted to just use all of his affluence for himself, which he he did. The poor man could have become bitter and angry and upset. So each had their temptation. Uh, There was a contrast of their not only affluence, but influence. It says he was rich, and uh, he was splendidly clothed in fine linen. And there's Lazarus. So there's the rich man in his house, well-to-do. There's Lazarus at the gate, a beggar, a street person. This man, the rich man, didn't use his influence for God. Has God given you a sphere of influence that you could impact people's lives? Do you know we'll be accountable for how we impact people's lives? Will be accountable for how we use the opportunities, the resources that God has given us. Uh, there was Lazarus with very, very little influence. There was a contrast. But they made choices, internal choices. Lazarus chose somehow to turn to God in his pain and suffering. The rich man chose to make a God out of his money. The scripture warns us against that. Now our lives have incredible consequences in the choices that we make. Our lives are made up of a few years of choices and an eternity of consequences. How we live, what we do, what we don't do, here impacts forever there. Our few moments, our few breaths, our few days here has a lasting impact forever and ever and ever. That's what the Bible teaches. Our lives are made up of a few years of choices and an eternity of consequences. There was a contrast, not only in his affluence and influence, but in his allegiance. In the text it says... This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich towards God. That's in the 12th chapter. And he's talking about a man who built bigger barns for himself, thought about himself. And God said, your allegiance is in the wrong place. Your heart is in the wrong place. Where your treasure is, your heart follows. That's where your heart will be. If your treasure is bound to this world, your life will be worldly. If it's focused on heaven, your life will be heavenly. When I look at these texts, I think about how often we are tempted to look at those around us who are prosperous and use them as a model. That happened in Psalms twenty seventy three. A godly man looked at the prosperity and the comparative ease that the ungodly had. And he almost slipped, he almost left, he almost had forsaken God. But then he realized something, and let me read you the verses. It's in Psalm 73. And one day I went into your sanctuary, O God, and I thought about the destiny of the wicked. Truly, you put them on a slippery path. You send them sliding over the cliff of destruction. The choice is yours. The choice is mine. Either we can serve God or we serve something else. Jesus put it this way in Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. It doesn't doesn't work. And so we've seen this contrast in them of their station in life, their domain. But there's another contrast. There's a contrast in their death. And let's quickly look at that contrast in their death. Finally, the poor man died. What happens to the poor man? He's carried by angels to be with Abraham. The rich man died also. He was buried. Now, there is an exit that we all have from this present world, an exit. The poor man died and the rich man died. Look at the rich man's funeral. I mean, he had the best casket in town. He had a beautiful headstone. Maybe uh, they made him, Just look over the river or something. A beautiful view. I mean, they spent a lot of money. And then they invested in mourners. So the mourners were, I'm sure, a, a, a long line of mourners grieving over. And then the eulogy was so beautiful. I mean, they gave a great honorarium to the preacher. And he said nice things over the rich man. And the funeral was just, just right. Poor guy. Well, they took him to potter's field. No one maybe was there. Maybe they just threw him in potter's field, burned his body. That was the end of it. No, it wasn't the end of it. There's an entrance out of this world. There's an exit from this world. There's an entrance into another world. See, death is always the great leveler. Whether you're wise or whether you're foolish, whether you're rich, or whether you're poor, whether you're strong, whether you're weak. It levels everyone. There's an entrance into another world text says so it was the beggar died he was carried by angels to Abraham's bosom in Hebrews it says that God makes his angels ministers to the heirs of salvation you have angels that are assigned to you and someday to every believer he'll be escorted into the presence of almighty God when the journey's over and here is this poor man Lazarus and he is taken into heaven. And I've watched the rich die and the poor die, the believer and the unbeliever, and there is an incredible difference when a person knows God and when a person doesn't know God. There's an incredible peace. I think about my mother-in-law's funeral, Joyce's mom. We were singing, we were worshiping, there were night watches where we were just worshiping God, and when she had a little bit of strength, she would raise her hand and worship to God. We were reading scripture. It it, it was a glorious exit from this world, and I am sure a wonderful entrance into the world to come. One of the most famous atheists of all time is Voltaire. When he lay down and he was dying, these were the words he cried out. I am abandoned by God and man. And then he exclaimed, Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, Jesus Christ. And he died. I think about the agnostic Thomas Paine. He, when he died, here's what, here were his last words. What a fool I've been. Oh, God help me. For I cannot bear to be left alone. In contrast to those two was the great evangelist, D.L. Moody. On his deathbed, these were his last words. Earth is receding. Heaven is descending. God is calling. I'm going home. Is, Is this death? Why, it's not bad. It's glorious. This is my coronation day. What words would you like to say when it's your last moment? In Hebrews Chapter 9, it says, And it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this judgment. Each one of us one day is going to die. And when we die, we will be judged by God. Whether we've accepted Christ or rejected Christ, whether we've repented of our sins and followed him, or whether we've followed our own willful ways. Hell is a truth seen too late. For the vast majority. Because broad is the way that leads to destruction. And narrow is the way that leads to heaven. Hell is a real place. Jesus spoke more often of it than heaven. Because he didn't want us to go there. There's a contrast. Not only in their deaths, but in their destinies. Matthew 25, 46 reads, then they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So the wicked into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. I want you to look at the place of judgment briefly as we look at this text. In the message translation, it says, then he died, the poor man, he was taken up by the angels to the lap of Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried in hell and in torment, and he looked up and he saw Abraham in the distance and Lazarus in his lap. There's a gulf. It's insurmountable. Abraham said people from paradise could not go to the place of torment. People in the place of torment could not go to paradise. It was a gulf, a separation, a grand canyon that separated them. But somehow the rich man saw Lazarus and he recognized him. And the rich man forgot that death is a leveler. And so the rich man is still speaking out orders. Abraham, would you have a little mercy on me? Please send Lazarus to dip my tongue with some water on it. He still thinks he's running things. And then he goes on to say, Abraham, uh, have Lazarus go back and tell my five brothers. Sending Lazarus on errands. Death is a leveler. All the stations that we have here will disappear. All of us come on one basis alone into heaven. It's the cross of Jesus Christ. It's the blood of the Lamb of God. Something else in this text. Hell Is not temporary, it's not annihilation, it is eternal. It talks about eternal life for the righteous, it talks about eternal judgment for those who are unrighteous, who haven't come to God. If it's eternal for the righteous, it's eternal for the unrighteous. It's forever and ever.
0: Maybe you're listening today and a friend or even a family member came to mind. It's amazing how God's Word seems to always prompt us to think about that certain person in our life that needs Jesus. You know, this message and many others are available for you to share. If you visit buildinginfaithradio.com and simply click on today's date, you'll find options to share this message on Facebook, Twitter, and even an email link that you can send right to that special someone. Check out buildinginfaithradio.com and share today's message. You've been listening to Building in Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now we want to encourage you to log on to buildinginfaithradio.com to spend some time getting to know us and to stay current with what's being broadcasted here on Building in Faith. At the website, you'll find today's message for you to listen to again, download, or even post to your Facebook page to share with your family and friends. Again, that's all available when you log on to buildinginfaithradio.com. Or, if you'd like, you can always give us a call. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. In the next edition of Building in Faith, Pastor Ed will continue teaching through his series entitled, Eyes Open. So be sure to join us. Until then, may God richly bless you. Your word